0: Hey lady, welcome to the Elevate Her podcast. I am your host, Rebecca Mariuki, leadership coach, career queen, twin mom, and wife. If you are ready to step into the level 2.0 version of yourself, girl, you've just found yourself a cheering squad that will help you do just that and even more. From one career woman to another who navigated the challenges of being a black woman in a profession that lacked diversity with no rule book to help me figure out the keys to climbing the corporate ladder. I am on a mission to change this scene for good. In the last few years of my tenure career, I not only overcame the challenges that held me back from the mid-level career slump I found myself in, but unlocked the doors to land big promotions in my career, become a director at just the age of 32 in the largest global audit firm, get my confidence game on and become a trusted leader. If you are ready to shake off the self-doubt that's been holding you back, uncover your value, get seen, promoted and paid like the leader you deserve to be without more degrees, qualifications or inauthentic networking tactics, stay tuned because you are about to get elevated. Hey, before we continue with this episode, I want to share this brand new resource that I created and put my heart and soul in getting to you. I am so excited to share with you the Position to Promotion Guide, a brand new free PDF guide designed to help you plan your next promotion. Yep, I said plan. And this guide is going to show you exactly how in five steps. Wouldn't it be great if you could, one, start getting the recognition and the money you deserve with the expertise you already have, two, have the confidence to ask for a salary raise and secure it, three, become the trusted leader and advisor in your area of expertise, four, finally get that promotion I know you've been working so hard towards, and 5 Know how to position for a promotion even if you don't like negotiating, like me. Well, the position to promotion guide is just what you need. You need a plan from someone who has actually done this to get the results you've been hoping for in your career. Yes, this guide is exactly how I've helped other women, myself included, secure phenomenal career results, like getting directorship positions at work, 60% salary increments within a single financial year. And it's how you can do so too. Just go to bit.ly forward slash position to promotion to get your guide. I cannot wait for you to get your hands onto this. And oh, did I say I even dropped a free negotiation template in this guide with conversation starters to help you initiate the conversation, which I know can sometimes be difficult with your team leader around your promotion. Yep, I meant it when I said I put my heart into creating this amazing resource for you. Go to bit.ly forward slash position to promotion or check the link in the show notes below. Hi, my beautiful friend. Welcome back to the Elevator podcast. Today, we have an amazing guest, Atima Omara, who is talking to us about all things, how to secure and thrive as a leader in public policy, public office, government, politics, advocacy, you name it in this episode, we dive deep on the myths, the misconceptions around how you can actually make an impact, right? And we also talked about whether it's true that you can only make an impact in public office when you are in the public eye. And she's given some really great examples on how you can actually make this practical if this is an area in which you would like to Explore and discover and see if this aligns with your passion and with what you really find meaningful to you. So a bit more about Atima. Atima is the founder and CEO of Omara Strategy Group, political and advocacy consulting firm that works with progressive candidates, organizations, and projects around the country in the US to win progressive victories and build a more reflective democracy in the United States. Atima has worked for a governor, multiple democratic democratic candidates at the federal, state and local level. She has also trained thousands of activists and candidates. And while Atima has a political background, she actually has a master's in public administration. So she is very knowledgeable on the different arms in public office and public policy in which women can rise and Gain their seats in leadership. So it's not just about being in the public eye as a politician. There's so many ways you can do it. And Atima demystifies and breaks this down all for us in this show. In 2013, fun fact Atima was voted in as the Young Democrats of America president. And she was the first Black president to be elected into this office. So that's huge, right? Hand clap for her, virtual clap for you, Atima for leading the way and representing other Black women in these places of leadership. Throughout her career, Atima has written and spoken extensively on gender, race, and how it intersects with leadership, politics, policy, and culture. Talk about an impactful career. So I hope you enjoy this show. Be sure to connect with Atima on LinkedIn, and let's get right into it. Hi, Atima. Welcome to the Elevate Her podcast. How are you? I am doing well. Thanks, Rebecca, for having me. I am really, really excited about this episode because it's a bit out of, you know, the traditional sort of industries that I, you know, am an expert in and I really wanted to bring someone with the expertise, but in a different industry to come and talk to us and give us your views and perspectives. So tell us a bit about yourself, what you do and yeah, why you're here today.
1: Yeah. So I run my own business. Um, I run a business that's a consulting practice. Um, that I started in 2017, I works with progressive candidates, organizations, and causes. Uh, for those listeners who are in the U.S., so I work in an American political system. I know you have a lot of viewers or listeners who uh, are outside the U.S., but I work in American politics and I work with progressive candidates, organizations, and causes. And I, with a really specific focus on electing women, people of color and other folks who have not been, you know, we don't have a quota system in our country. And so I've been working for a long time to help uh, be a part of the cause, sort of bridge and achieve gender parity in politics, uh, bridge the gap to get more people of color elected, uh, have our democracy look more like the country that it is. And so that's what I, I do through my work and I love doing it.
0: Yes, I'm I'm so excited about, you know, hearing your perspectives because I think a lot of times when we, you know, get into a job, start working, some of the things that happen around us, like the bigger, you know, advocacy or, you know, the bigger ways we can make an impact. Sometimes we just see that as being so far out and, you know, things like being in politics or even just making a difference by you know, just being more vocal or being involved in groups that speak to some of the things we're passionate about sometimes get numbed in the day-to-day of of working. So I would like to hear from you. Let's say someone is listening in on this. How can they start to at least put a foot in some of the things that they're passionate about and without sort of, you know, burning themselves out, especially if they are in full-time employment, how can they sort of make that maybe not necessarily a transition, but just get get into it and see if it's something that they're interested in and potentially could turn into, you know, a full time career?
1: Yeah, I'm a big fan of, you know, the side the side hustles. <laughs> and I say that because, you know, I have my first job out of college. You know, I'm working, you know, doing a lot of I wouldn't call it admin, but just doing a lot of desk work. Just doing a lot of desk, work. you know, husband my desk. I'm not moving around a lot. I'm not, you know, yet high enough in the ranks to be making big decisions on, you know, how, you know, staff and teams and projects are gonna be done and everything's and money's gonna be allocated. And so how I found to like build my skill set and to sort of really assess that the interest that I had in like, you know, working on campaigns or building organizations or what eventually took me to sort of running a business was really actually just doing that work in my spare time. So, you know, when I was working in, in an office, I was actually working um, in, in state government for a governor and, you know, your hours, unless you were during the time when our legislature is in session, I would, you know, go and volunteer for a couple organizations. One organization was a women's rights organization uh, they put on an annual state conference, and so I got involved with doing all of the planning for that. You know, essentially practicing a lot of the skill set of you know event planning, fundraising, inviting speakers, creating invites. You know, I did. There was a March rally that was coming up. I did a lot of organizing for that. You know, and then I I just did enough of it that about a year into my job, I was like, okay, I'd love to go work on a political campaign you know and and try my experience there it was a different set of hours i wouldn't be working nine to five but i would be working a lot longer hours sometimes in the weekends especially as we got later um, then the cycle and election cycles we call it and uh you know just after that like i you know i because i'd done all this stuff i got to meet people who were in that work full time and one of them said hey there's this organization or campaign that's looking for somebody. Uh, it's kind of an entry-level role, but you would be managing uh, their volunteers and helping them basically sort of build out their program uh, for their campaign, the volunteer program. And I said, great, because I'd had all this experience now managing volunteers for my work. So if you've identified that you want to run a business, you know, start, identify what that thing is that you're interested in doing, you know, as, for a business, whether it's to be, Working part time for somebody else's business, and you know, freelancing, and getting a sense of what you want to do, or you start your own little LLC um, and do something. I know somebody who works in my line of work; she works in politics, but she said she had a, a side business. She loves food, so she has a little side business that sells like appetizers and things, <laughs> and it sort of just scratches an inch for her. And she might do that full time, or she might just keep that going It's an extra side of income. But it's a great way to dip your toe into the thing that you want to do or transition into as a career. Um, some people have to go back to school. You know, if you're like, want to be an academic, that's the route. But maybe you want to take some classes and what you're interested in doing to make sure that you want to commit to those hours, having done a grad degree you know, you're spending sometimes some weekends, beautiful weekends in the library where you'd prefer to be out and hanging out with your friends <laughs> instead of studying. But so you have to make sure you really want to do it. Maybe take some classes and say, okay, is this what I want to be studying? And this is what I say, you know, I want to be be doing next. So those are some of my my suggestions.
0: <laughs> hmm, lovely. I like that. And do you have to have studied anything or you know, have just sort of have that qualification. And I guess it's going to bring us to the next topic around imposter syndrome. Do you have to have some sort of qualification or, you know, some sort of experience in order to just have that credibility of people wanting to work with you on their campaigns or as part of their advocacy groups? Or is there something you can literally just, you know, look around, see, you know, what groups are out there, let's say, let's say I'm passionate about women's rights and I want to be part of these Mm -hmm. conversations. Is it just a matter of Mm -hmm. me searching on LinkedIn, what's happening, any groups around me in my community Mm -hmm. and just being part of them? Or do I need to have, you know, some sort of titles behind my name for people to take me seriously?
1: Yeah. I say the education always depends on what you want to do. I've known folks who they knew they wanted to work, you know, be a, a legislative council fighting for women's rights in the courts litigation all of this and so yeah they have to go get a law degree i've known others who are like you know i want to be working in maternal health i want to be working with you know folks as patients so i'm going to you know go get a medical degree go get a public health degree because that's what sort is of needed to advance but just the everyday work of i want to go work for an organization Maybe become an executive director, maybe become, you know, like an executive director, program director, start an organization. Let's really, you know, pick your interest, pick your organization, get involved. I think the, some of the degrees, I have a master's degree in public administration, and sometimes the market is what it is. And especially, I think for women of color and folks from communities that have sometimes been are historically have been marginalized um you know, the added degree it's a complicated question of, all right, am I going to be more competitive compared to sort of my white counterparts? And the answer sometimes might be yes, sometimes you just need it for the extra pay. Um, so you get an additional degree, but just yeah. to get involved in that work, you know you could just go and start volunteering, getting involved, becoming an expert in what you do. Um, and then those decisions down the road, if you need a degree or not, you'll make along the way.
0: Okay. Okay. that I think that demystifies the fact that you don't necessarily have to. And I guess even just volunteering or starting from there is maybe where some people mm-hmm. will start and then, you know, work their way up until they build their influence and, you know, start building more impact. And th- that goes to my yeah. next question, because I think a lot of the times, People shy away from following their passion is this feeling of, oh, will I even make an impact, right? Because it's a bit different or Mm -hmm. it's a bit of a different mind game to when you're in a corporate job and you're given specific KPIs, you achieve them, they contribute to the overall company's KPIs. Whereas when you're volunteering or you're being part of, you know, you're part of a conversation or you're part of an advocacy group, those conversations don't necessarily translate into impact immediately. Or if you're in a volunteering group, let's say for a campaign that you believe so strongly with, sometimes I guess it's hard to see how your work actually is contributing to the greater good of, you know, the the mission of of the group.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. And I mean, it's, I think how I think of it, especially, you know, and there's a lot happening across the world, climate change is something that's a global thing, women's rights is a global thing. And I think, you know, you should really think about this impact that you're trying to make in your community, you know, start, start there, um, in your little part of the world, you know, what is the impact that you're trying to make at the end of the day? And how can your skill set best serve that? And, you know, making a difference in your town or your region or your country is every bit as important as sort of like the global impact. I think a lot of times we see these people who have been remembered for sort of the impact they made in the time that they were, you know, on the earth. Nelson Mandela is a good one. People remember Princess Diana for her impact, especially on sort of landmines, using her title and position to to impact that conversation, change policy by default your advocacy, and that's great. Those are those are great. You know, sort of the work of of I aspire, and I those are people I respect. Nelson Mandela like went to went to prison for you know, the liberation of, of black people, but. Just, you know, one person can make a difference and they can make a difference in their community. Like we be those people all from the national level all the way down to the local level, um, doing that work. So I, I try to think of impact in that way and not in, well, if I'm not, you know, making it on the, you know, international or national scale, it's not impactful.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and I guess it adds up. Right. If five yeah. women in this community plus five women in another community plus another five come together towards a specific cause, like that can add up and yeah. can multiply because you go back and yeah. you talk about it with your other circle of friends and, you know, it can become a movement literally.
1: Yeah. That's how movements are built.
0: Yep. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So let's talk about leadership in politics and. I want, I want to hear your view because I think there's also this, there is definitely this conception or this view that to be in politics or to make it, you kind of, it's, it's like you have to pay a price, right? And you see people with so, such good intentions, but once they get in, it kind of gets mirrored by, you know, the game of politics, which is very similar to yeah. the office. But I guess in the office, there are ways you can navigate around office politics. It seems a bit harder when you are in mainstream politics. How does, how do we deal with that as women? You know, just preserving why we are doing it, preserving the mission that we are in without, you know, getting distracted or without having to. Yeah, I guess pay that price that then kind of waters down our impact and influence over time.
1: Yeah, i was thinking about what you're saying that paying the price sort of like of the of the compromises or 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 not or feeling like you have to sort of bend to the system, is sort of what you mean when mm-hmm. you say paying the price. Yeah, and I think, you know, I really have looked at folks who've gone into public office women specifically, and really been intentional about why they are there and the work that they are doing. You know, one elected official to me said, you know, how do you, I said, how do you, how do you balance sort of being elected to public office? And, you know, you've got all this other competing demands, all your time, you know, lobbying organizations, why you a certain way, all of this. And, you know, she said, always just be in touch with your people on what makes the most sense to them, right? You know, what makes sense for your community, because those are the people you're accountable to those folks. And because there's folks who get into it, and then they just go whatever the way sort of the like, you know, the way the voter just goes, and then there's folks who get into it, and it's all about them and their prestige and their visibility. And you know the way to sort of be a really great leader in politics is somebody who you know has a strong sense of why they are running and what their community needs and being continuously in touch with that community on those concerns and those demands and you know there are some elected officials I admire them, they're like you know the what my community needs and their demands." Is no longer something that I, you know, could do because, you know, it, it conflicts, it's a different time in my life, a different generation should be stepping into that role, whatever that might be. And I'm going to step aside as opposed to, you know, trying to be there and just focusing on your own, you know, your own interests. So that's what I say. I say you can authentically lead. If you know that you can best represent your community, you're in touch with them and they know where you stand. That's how you build sort of that trust with your community that you're representing in um, when you're in public office anyway.
0: Okay. Okay. that That's very helpful. And in terms of, you know, being in the public eye, do you have to be in the public eye to be considered as a leader, you know, in public office or, you know, in government or in policy? Are there ways that women who maybe don't want to be in the public eye can still be impactful behind the scenes? If that I don't even know if that makes sense, but yeah, I want to yeah. hear from no, it you. it totally
1: does. Yeah, there's plenty of people who want to serve, and they literally are not interested in ever like being elected to public office. You know, I run for public office. You know, but I know other folks who like thought about it. Thought that that's something they would do. They don't want to do it, so they found other ways to contribute. They elect. Other good people to office. They elect women to office. I I now work to elect you know women of color to public office. I train candidates. I work with organizations that support those great candidates. That's a way you can contribute. You know you can be the person who is working in federal or state or your local government. You know working on policies every day and nobody knows your name, but you you know you are the person who's critical to some of the important stuff coming out of that agency. So. Yeah, no, it's, um, there's a way to be able to, to work in policy, politics, advocacy, and make an impact without, you know, having people literally, you know, following you around with cameras and, you know, getting quotes, you know, for you from the newspaper and such. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Especially when you're misquoted or it's taken out of context. I can imagine there's a lot of training that happens to make sure. You know what to say, when to say, how to say.
1: (laughs) Say it, yes, absolutely. (laughs) I do some of that training myself, so (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. very important, especially if you're, you know, a a mom or a mother figure, and you know, maybe your kids are at that age where some of these things can impact them. Like, let's say, you know, someone says something at school about your mom. Yeah, I I guess it can negatively affect them. So you do have to be prepared in that Mm -hmm. sense. Okay. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So so tell us about now when you, you know, because I think it's and it's everywhere. It's not just in the U.S. It's everywhere. When you look at leadership in countries, leadership in political systems, leadership, even in government, in terms of government officials, males Mm -hmm. are hugely the, the majority, like by a big mile. Mm-hmm. right maybe in the us yeah. it's it's more balanced but definitely in this side of the world i mean you can't even compare i don't have the statistics off by hand but i just see you can see yeah. it yeah. how do you deal with that okay. as a woman when you know you want to contribute you want to make a difference but you're just finding it hard to break through maybe you're not you're just feeling not seen or, you, you, you know, maybe you were even hired because you're a kind of diversity hire by the agency or the group that you're working with. How do you how do you navigate around that in order to start to build that influence and, you know, not feel like you're, you know, a second grade, so to speak?
1: Yeah, this is certainly in my industry, you know, even for all of the changes made, you know, it's a male dominated field. A lot of men go like the public office, a lot of men. You know, uh, have been the ones who have, you know, run a lot of the businesses that have consulted to candidates, you know, organizations. And it's really, um, you know, and, and that's across all sectors, right? Like, you know, you work, in, you work in, you know, for Fortune 500s, that's definitely the case. I think I just saw a stat that said now we're with Fortune 500s. They're now, uh, maybe 10%. We finally reached 10% for women who are CEOs finally and it's it's really about understanding that there are a lot of systemic biases in place things that are you know make it harder for you to advance or are in your way or you have to deal with people's you know expectations biases um put on you but it really is about believing that you need to be also in the room like Aside from what other people are going to do, it's it's definitely believing that you're going to be in the room. You know, I ran for president of the Young Democrats of America as the uh, as our youth arm of the Democratic Party in, in the United States. And, you know, there had been four other women before me in the 80-year history of the organization who had been president. And I was the first Black person to be elected. And, you know, it's my successor since then, while a couple of them have been... Black men, other than women, since and you know a lot of times people would tell me like it's you know so great. I mean, even my I had a, a predecessor and she was like a few years before her, so I knew who she was. But before her, it had been like at least uh, almost a decade, if not longer. And you know, one thing that I think of when I think of her or some of the other women that I eventually met who had served as president was you know it was believing that they need to be in the room. They were at the right point in their life. They had contributed a lot to the organization. They're like, why not me? Why not run for president? I initially I remember, you know, I, when somebody said, you know, oh, you're vice president, you're going to run for president. I was like, no, I don't think so. And at that point, I just didn't want to take on sort of, I thought in my head, the responsibility. And I just, it wasn't something that I envisioned for myself. But then, you know, some folks were like, why haven't I mean, you put in the work? You raise the money you've done all this if there's something else going on in your life that you want to do differently that's one thing but don't count yourself out of things and believe that you deserve to be be there so once my brain switched over and was like oh i do actually want to run i think i could do a good job then i just was like i you know deserve to be here i know you know i've had people i i thought everybody thought a lot like that similarly, but I've met a lot of women in my career who are just like, Oh, you know, you're so confident in what you say, you feel so self assured, you know, and I've I've been inspired by that or I feel more confident. I'm like, Well, I'm glad you do. I didn't I mean I look at them and I'm like, I didn't realize that, that was a thing that you struggled with. But it is a thing that, you know, um women struggle with, you know, saying that I'm I'm good at this, I'm an expert at this, I deserve I have been in service and now I deserve to be considered as a leader for this promotion, you know, to run uh, to be considered a candidate, a viable candidate for public office, all of that. So,
0: mm-hmm. okay, okay. So yeah, I I guess what what you're saying is you need to have the your supporting squad around you, but you also need to mm-hmm. realize that if you've done the work, right. And you know, you you count your credits that you shouldn't minimize those. Right. And it kind of should be a reminder, but more importantly, what's on the inside, right. You have to believe in yourself. Yeah. And I guess for you, it was the same. If if you didn't believe in yourself, other people wouldn't believe in you strongly enough to, you know, give you their vote. Absolutely. Mm. Wow. Love that. that, Love that. That's so, so inspiring. And congratulations on your appointment.
1: Yes. Well, and that was was a, a few years ago, but it was an example I always use. I mean, I've since moved on. I served for two years and I've since moved on to other things, starting my own business. That was actually one of those things where because I had done that, because I had traveled around the country because I'd raised all this money because I'd been nationally elected, you know, it gave me the confidence to think, what else can I do? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm like, I have raised money. I have worked to elect people. I have spoken before thousands of people. And when you have done that, you feel much more confident to do other things. Right. And so, you know, when I did that, you know, confidently getting the elect- uh, elected by my peers to be their leader was something I was like oh okay i can I can do a lot more than I realize, and what more right. is it can I do and so it did give me the confidence to eventually start my own my own business and apply a lot of what I learned from that experience to this
0: so and help other women get into those leadership positions,
1: yeah absolutely, yeah.
0: Awesome. Any final tips as we close off? Any closing remarks for women who want to secure leadership positions in policy, advocacy, politics? What would you, you know, what else would you share with them?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, find out, uh, find, learn what you love, absolutely, and get really good at it. Because there's going to be times, right? Like, you know, even if we think we're the most qualified person, people are going to say like, well, why you? Well, because this. I'm an expert at this. Because I've done this, you know? And because folks are going to question you, so be prepared to, you know, say, I am an expert at this. I am qualified. I remember Hmm. I watched a TED Talk from Shonda Rhimes, who her her company, Shondale, like Shondaland, I think, and it produces like very popular TV shows that are now international. Bridgerton um, is one of those. Uh, it's a global hit on Netflix. Grey's Anatomy, Private Practice, a couple others, A Scandal, and helped launch the careers of many women um, in media and film. And she said in her opening TED Talk, you know, I, I think she said, I am a powerhouse, right? She's like, I create, you know, films, things for people to watch. I am constantly doing all of this work. And I watched, I was watching this and I was like, that's a radical thing. And I think she, I think she knew this when she said it, that I am this person who is dependent on to get these things done and I do it well. That's what she was essentially saying because people don't expect women to confidently state yes. that. And so <laughs> she built this career by standing in her own power, and saying, no, I'm going to have my characters do this. No, I'm going to do this. Yes, I'm going to do it that way. And hiring her squad that backed her in that building the careers of others, because when you step into your own power, other people see that. And you can have an opportunity to then advance other people along the way. So I think about the importance of that, you know, is owning what you are an expert at and what you're good at so that you can achieve what you want to out of life and step into more leadership roles because more women should be at the table of whatever industry they're in.
0: Yeah. And the more we talk like that, the more we normalize it because the less we do it or the more we shy away from it, the more people get surprised. Like, did she just say she's an expert? Did she just say she's good at it? Because we we often expect other people to say it on our behalf, but we need to own it first.
1: Yeah, yeah. And men have no problem saying that they're like, "I'm good at this thing," and they're actually not that good at it.
0: (laughs) So so true, and that's been validated by so many studies. Like you can literally go on Google, and there'll be a study by Forbes or by Harvard about how I think it's three in ten men. Like only three in 10 men will say if they're not qualified or will not, you know, apply for a job that they know they're not qualified for. Whereas I think it's seven or eight out of 10 women will not do it. And so we just need to, we need to believe in ourselves more and go for it.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Thank you so much, Atima. That was such a power packed and very inspiring and such a, you know, high note that we ended that episode and, and conversation with. In closing, please share with us where we can find you, if there's anything interesting going on in your community and how our listeners can connect with you further.
1: Yes, um, you can definitely find me on LinkedIn. I don't know many of your listeners are, are professional women and probably have a LinkedIn profile, so I'm there, um, Atima Omara. You know, give me a follow there. And then I'm um, definitely on Instagram. And I am on Twitter, not as active as I used to be, given all that <laughs> But you can find me over there. It's the Tima underscore Omara on Instagram or Twitter. And you can find me on LinkedIn. It's the Tima Omara.
0: Perfect. Awesome. So we like to round up our podcast interviews with some fire round of questions. So just just say what comes to your mind. So our first question for you is what is the last book you read?
1: Oh, gosh. The Seven Husbands. Of Evelyn Hugo, <laughs>
0: never heard of it's her. A,
1: it's yes, it's uh it's an American author, and it is a fictional book. Uh, I try to read fiction sometimes just to give myself a mm-hmm. break from the politics and news. And it's just about this. Actually, it's this woman who goes out and builds a career for herself as a well, she's a Latina woman. In a time when women didn't build careers for themselves as a Hollywood star, she came from poverty. And along the way, she has these loves of her life that she gets married to for a variety of different reasons. Some she loves, some she didn't. She married for convenience. Uh, But it's actually really a a wonderful story about, you know, women and and she also stepped into her power. So I found that story, uh, you know, her career and her trajectory and the things that she experienced, domestic violence, all of that. So, yeah. And it's by Taylor Jenkins Reid, Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo, if anybody's interested.
0: (laughs) Wow, interesting. Thank you. Definitely look into that one. I'm I'm always looking for, because I'm also a nonfiction junkie, but I think sometimes you need to spice it up and, yeah, just just read something light, something that will just, you know, get you relaxed and not always be so serious in these nonfiction books. Yes. (laughs) Great. Our next question for you is What's your favorite Netflix show? Oh,
1: my favorite Netflix show. Wow. You know, recently I just watched and I and like really enjoyed it. There is the, oh my gosh, oh, Enola Holmes. And it's uh supposed to be based on the life of, fictional life of the younger sister of Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> And oh. her sort of detective work, and it's also a lot around. You'll notice, like, I'm the person. If you watch Netflix, like, and they say strong female lead, I watch a lot of. That. <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely that person that they're being they're marketing to, and so Anella Holmes in her career as a young uh, a woman detective in the early 20th century, and her big brother uh, Sherlock Holmes, uh, who kind of sort of reluctantly mentors her um and admires her but it's also how she's raised by her mother to be this really independent and eventually suffragette and all of that because it's at the time when women are fighting for the right to vote in england so i i, I enjoyed that um and then i recently watched something it's uh wednesday adams uh for those who enjoy the adams family uh stuff it's a um, you know kind of oh, i want to say horror but it's sort of like uh uh kind of i don't want to say horror but it's uh I don't know what category I put them in, but they're kind of out of the comics and uh cartoonish characters. And it's a real limited into a, a live action series based on the daughter who's very interesting and very dry, but very independent. And you know it's just a it's just a fun it's a fun watch if you like a little bit of morbid humor because they're also like one character is a vampire another character is like a werewolf so if you like a little bit of fantasy you would enjoy that as well and just the the girl characters in the show so
0: yeah i didn't know there's a sister version of sherlock holmes or sherlock holmes helps his sister and is not the star lead so i'm definitely going to look into that one i hope it's not as cryptic as sherlock holmes though oh no no
1: it's so much it's it's so much fun and they spend a lot of time around you know women women's kind of empowerment and stuff that's sort of the message of Vendola and then how she was raised very differently from her brothers mm. so yes it's like there's two movies out now the second one just recently came out and i had seen that earlier this year or late last year and i
0: enjoyed it so definitely adding that to my list nice <laughs> <laughs> what was the last thing you bought on amazon Oh my goodness. It
1: was probably some home product like moisturizer or something, um, especially <laughs> with like <laughs> the pandemic. But, like sometimes I just need things quickly. And so I go to Amazon and I'm like, okay, well, who's carrying my product and can it get to me? Because I ran out of it and I lost track of the fact that I ran out of this thing. So go on there. So
0: <laughs> nice. Love that convenience saving time. I'm all for that. <laughs> Our last yeah. question for you is, if you had a superpower, what would it be?
1: Oh, if I had a superpower, goodness. I had a superpower. I think I would definitely, man, I would work, just work to make a more equitable, just world. Like, just wave my wave my wand, you know, like, women would have fair wages, like, you know, we would, you know, be in more leadership positions, like, you know, r- you know, racial justice, like, would be actualized like there's just so many things but i think if i had the opportunity just to create a more equitable and just world that's what i would would do
0: beautiful wow such an amazing way to end this very empowering show thank you so much atima for sharing your wisdom expertise such good gems that you dropped in today's interview and thank you so much to the listeners for listening to the show of
1: course thank you for having me and i'm looking forward to and now this turns out.
0: <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Elevate Her podcast. If you found this helpful, I would be forever grateful if you left a review of the show right here on iTunes or your favorite podcast listening app. If you would like more support and inspiration to elevate your career, go ahead and connect with me on LinkedIn at Rebecca Morioki, Or if you're an Instagram girl, let's connect over there. See you on the next show.